Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Grace Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Please sit down. You know, my first introduction to the effectiveness of prayer was when I became born again. I was coming from Cape Coast with, you know, that time we vacated around, was it Christmas or Easter? My memory is not helping me. So, my brother was at Adisco, at the Saddle College, and my sister was at Holy Child. So, we met in Accra at the Kimbu State Transport Yard. We were so excited talking and I forgot my suitcase at the STC yard. Just in the open. And when we got to Pando, of course, we looked in vain for it. And when we got home, I told my daddy that I wanted to go back the next day to trace it. He said, you are not thinking. You, this festivity time, you left your suitcase in Accra and you, you think it will be there waiting for you. You are wasting my time. So he sent me to Lome to collect some rent for him. But I had just become born again. And I had just learned that prayer works. So, fasting, praying, because everything I had, my kente cloth, my slide rule, my, everything was in the suitcase. And there was no way I could allow that suitcase to be lost. So, after three days, I came back and I told my daddy that, please, allow me just to go and search for the suitcase. He said, oh, you, you are not thinking correctly. But he had some other rent to collect at Art Council, uh, where we have the Kwame Nkrumah Museum. So, he gave me money for the rent, so that I could go and collect his rent. But as for the suitcase, so I went, served the people with the rent, everything, but I went back to the STC yard. Of course, my bag was nowhere to be found. And as I turned to leave, something just told me, why don't you talk with 
these guys around. So I went and asked one person, please, when there is left luggage, where is it normally kept? And he said, oh, go and ask that gentleman. So I asked him. And he said, hey. I said, I left my bag here about four or five days ago. He said, young man, go and look into the, the office there and see whether your bag. When I went, my bag was the very first on top there. My heart somersaulted. He said, Are you sure it's your bag? I said, Sure. He said, Tell me what things I need. I lifted all the things because it was my bag. And he opened the cage and released my suitcase. That time, I think I had one, one Ghana CD or something, one CD. I gave him, he said, must get away with that. When I took that suitcase home, my father believed me forever. Because he could not imagine that I had left my suitcase in Accra for more than four days and it could be retrieved. Then I knew that God answers prayer. So, the journey of training yourself to pray is not optional for a Christian. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says that bodily exercise eh, profits a little. So jogging, early in the morning, you know, it profits a little. But godliness, tra train yourself in godliness because godliness is of profit in this world and in the world to come. First Timothy chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You know, one of the most difficult areas of the Christian in 21st century is building a prayer life. The reason is simple. We are too busy. We are too busy to build a personal prayer life. But unfortunately, you cannot borrow anybody's prayer life. You need to cultivate one for yourself. And it takes time it takes discipline, it takes faithfulness, but if you put yourself under the discipline, the profit is such that both for this life and the life to come, you eat of it. There is no other spiritual exercise 
that touches heaven with human effort more than prayer. It is the greatest spiritual engagement that you can ever be involved in. And the greatest example is Jesus. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. Mark 1.35 And in the morning, rising up a long while before day, Jesus went to a solitary place and there he prayed. Luke chapter 6 verse 12 In those days Jesus went to the mountains to pray and he continued the whole night in prayer to God. Luke chapter 5 verse 15 and 16 Great multitudes came to Jesus to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities but he often withdrew into the wilderness to pray. Matthew chapter 14 from verse 23 to 25 after feeding the 5,000 he dismissed the multitude and it was evening he was left alone and he went he told his disciples to get into a boat and get away and he was left alone from about 6pm he prayed to the fourth watch of the night and came walking on the sea to his disciples they are talking about 3am to 6am that is Jesus you remember Gethsemane? Luke 11, 1, he was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, his disciples came and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. We are Jews. We pray. But you pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. As John taught his disciples. So it is impossible to resemble Jesus if you don't build a prayer life, you can never resemble Jesus Christ if you don't build a personal prayer life. Now, at first, when I became a Christian and somebody said, praying for one hour, I said, hey, what shall I be saying? One hour? Oh, what am I going to say? I don't have anything one hour. But I found out that it is easy to pray for one hour. Just use about ten different ways of praying. Number one, thanksgiving. Five minutes. Number two, praise. Thans uh, five minutes. Number three, worship. Five minutes. Number four, intercession, five minutes. Number five, spiritual warfare, five minutes. Number six, petition, five minutes. Number seven, praying the word, five minutes. Number eight, praying the spirit, five minutes. So, <laughs> you see that the one hour goes and you are like, ah, where has it all gone? Because you are varying the kinds of prayer. So in, in one hour, you've prayed about different topics and you are still not satisfied. It's so short. That's it. Now, I would like to attack something again before I look at the topic in the face.
the greatest force in the universe is not the atomic power. It is not bacteriological warfare or chemical warfare. The greatest force in the universe is the will of God. Jesus said in Matthew 6.10 we should pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. John 6.38 Jesus said I came from heaven not to do my own will but the will of my Father who sent me. With every introduction of the topic of prayer, today's generation just thinks of themselves. James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, he says that you, 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 you do not have, you desire and do not have, because you don't pray. But you pray and don't receive the results. Because you ask amiss, so that you can spend it on wrong motives. James 4. James 4, 2 yes. and 3. Yes. You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. You don't have, because you don't ask God. When you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives. You ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You know, when a new year begins, I feel for God. Because all of us come with our prayer list to come and tell him what to do. Suddenly, we all know more and are wiser than him. Therefore, we have come to advise God what to do for us. So we cross over, walk over, uh, 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 jump over, roll over, somersault over, the 31st December. It's actually a time to tell God, do this, do this. You are going to do this, do you hear? Then you hold his arm at the back and say, Hey God, do you hear? This is what I'm saying. Do you hear? Do you hear? Then God says, Yo, 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 I'll do it. I'll do it. So we have come to get that idea that prayer means getting God's hand at his back and, and forcing him to do it. The way he does it, yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Have a big testimony. Is that the kind of God you want to serve? A God who does your wishes. I don't want that God. Even if you give me, I won't, I won't take it for anything. I want a God I can respect. A God who is wiser than me. A God whose will can prevail. And later on, I say, oh, thank you. You see? I remember those days, there was a girl who was doing her master's in Waterhall. And uh, <laughs> I was going there to pray with her. And then prophecies were coming. I'm in your midst, my children. 
I love you. So I thought that God wanted me to marry her. So I went and told my head pastor. He said, no, 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 you are not marrying that girl. What? No, no. I've seen another girl I want you to marry. He chose my wife for me. We've been married 33 years now. Every day I thank God for my wife. That woman, a lady too, is married. I thank God I didn't marry her. You see, if God did your will for you, you will be sorry. Because some of the things we will, eh, at the beginning of 2015, by the end of 2015, you yourself don't want it. So I don't know where we got that type of praying from. I'm sure it's from Nigeria. You, where the prayer means telling God to do it. You know, uh, this Isaiah 45 verse 11. The King James Version says, Concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. And then uh, Job 22, 29. Say, you shall decree a thing, and it shall come to pass. Let's decree. <laughs> Let's decree. <laughs> and we have the, we, we, our minds tell us that prayer means telling God what to do. I'm glad it's been corrected in the NIV. It's the opposite. It says, concerning the works of my hands, will you dare to command me? So, praying the word of God does not mean trying to let God do what you want. By packing up some Bible verses, stray Bible verses which he himself doesn't know, and holding them as AK-47. If he doesn't do them for you. You shoot just now. That's not what it means. In fact, there are some people in the Bible, God says, if they take his word, even his promises, and they take the promises and try to work with them, he will be angry with them. I think it's uh, Psalm 50. Psalm 50 verse 16 and 17. He says to the wicked, what right have you to take my words in your mouth? When you are doing the bad things and I keep quiet, you think I'm like you. Psalm 50, verse 16 and 17. 16 and 17. But a wicked person, God says, What right have you to recite my laws? What, what right have you to recite my laws? Or take my covenant on your lips. You take my, your, my covenant on your lips. You hate my instruction and cast my words behind you. So, I would suggest that these five points I'm going to make be taken in the spirit of somebody who wants to know and do the will of God. What do we mean by praying the word of God? We mean that 
a careful study of God's word and its right application to find God's will is taken into prayer. That's what we mean. You have searched the Bible and found out God's will. And you have taken that into prayer. Then you are on course. You are praying the word of God. And I'm, I've broken it into five different classes. Class one is praying the fulfilled prophecy depending on the prophetic timing. I can give you three good examples. The first one is Daniel. In the book of Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, I, Daniel, I found out from the scriptures that the time God set for setting Israel free from captivity in Babylon was up. Therefore, I started praying. Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, yes. that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. God told Jeremiah that the desolation of Jerusalem will last exactly 70 years. And after that, they will be free. Yes. Verse 3 says, So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Because of that, Daniel turned to the Lord in fasting and prayer to petition that particular fulfilled prophecy. A second example is Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus got to the temple and they handed him the scroll of the book Isaiah. And he opened it and came to Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. And he read it, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to set the captives free. And he sat down and said, this scripture is fulfilled today in your hearing. A third example is Joel. Okay. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, fulfilled on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 16 to 18. Peter was explaining that these people are not drunk. This is the prophecy God gave through Joel, the prophet, saying that in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see vision, old men. And so what you are seeing now is the fulfillment of that prophecy. The last days have begun and God has poured out his spirit. 
Now, this means once you do your study well and come across a scripture verse which is fulfilled prophecy with direct application, you can begin to take hold of that passage and pray and fast and seek God's face. One of the passages I love very much is Isaiah 59 verse 21. Have you ever read it before? Let's read it. Isaiah chapter 59. The verse we are reading is 21. I have 16 brothers and sisters. And at first, you know, only two of us are really, really born again. So I said, ah, those people, hmm, Catholic. Then I, we came across this verse. As a family. I said, what? As for me. As for me. This is my covenant with them, says the Lord. This is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you. My spirit who is on you. Will not depart from you. Will not depart from you. And my words that I put in your mouth. And my words I put in your mouth. Will always be on your lips. Will always be on your lips. On the lips of your children. On the lips of your children. And on the lips of their descendants. And on the lips of their descendants. From this time on. From this time on. And forever, says the Lord. And forever, says the Lord. I said, what? Every single day, I bring my family members before God. I pray for all of them by name. And I will do it until I die. You know? Because this is a covenant by God. It's a covenant. And... I am not going to leave it to stay in that part of the Bible and rot. So that is number one. It's a fulfilled prophecy. You've looked at the timing. It's correct. Therefore, and because the prophecy on God pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh, it has come. I mean, the time for it to be fulfilled is now. Therefore, I believe if you pray for any human being who knows Jesus to receive the Holy Spirit, he or she will receive. There's no reason why not. Two, praying specific promises of God to you. Now, the scriptures are filled with general promises, I'll come to them, and specific promises. We need to believe God that He is true. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, or even to 5, says that, his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue. That through his exceeding great and precious promises, we should become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
The, the promises of God are exceeding great and precious. And they are the stepping stones for being a partaker of the divine nature. Second Corinthians 7 1 says that having then these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the flesh and of spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The promises of God in the Bible are not given for fun. They are there because when you take hold of them, they are able to, to shake you, purify you, give you the divine nature, and anchor your soul. So Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 to 19, he argues that when God was giving a promise to Abraham, he interposed with an oath. Now, when men are quarreling, and you say, you took my mobile phone. Say, I didn't take it. You took my mobile phone. I didn't take it. I say, you took it. I didn't take it. I, say, I swear by Asantehini's uh, throne. Then the case is closed. Because when men swear, that's the final, that's the last I have. And we swear by a greater than ourselves. So God told Abraham in Genesis 22, 15 to 18, that by myself I swear that in blessing I will bless you. And the writer of Hebrews is saying that men swear by a greater than themselves. But when God looked up, left, right, there was nobody greater than him. So he said, I swear by myself, so that by two unshakable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we, those who have come to take hold of the promises of God, should have it as an anchor for our soul. Because there is no way any promise of God can fail. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, 22, it says, The promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. So the Bible promises are not just wishful thinking. They are Words of God based upon the hope of heaven. The throne of God backs the words, the promises in the Bible. Anytime any of God's promises fails, God's throne in heaven will be started. Because these are promises based upon hope. I swear, if God cannot honor an oath, then let's go home. Stop church. Because we have all men most to be pitied. So there are specific promises of God to you as an individual. And there are general promises to us all. You can see that in taking hold of God, the specific promises are the strongest weapons, if you want to call it that way. You know, God told Elijah in 1 Kings 18 that, go and show yourself to Ahab today, King Ahab today. I will send rain. So, he went. God never told Elijah that he will send fire. But he went and prayed for fire. In a very short prayer, fire came and lit the wood and the water. Then it was time to pray for the rain, which God promised. 
He went, he knelt down, put his head between his thighs, prayed, sent his servant, said, oh, no sign, no cloud. Hey! He prayed again, go. No cloud. He prayed again, go. It was the seventh time that a cloud like a man's fist arose. But the truth is, because God said, show yourself to Ahab today, I will send rain. There was no way that promise could be broken. So, there are too many examples for me to list. Uh, Exodus, uh, Genesis 32, from verse 9, Jacob went and, when he heard that his brother Esau was coming with 400 soldiers, then he saw that <laughs> this time uh, the thing was hot. So he went to pray and he said, God, you told me to leave Lebanon and go to the promised land. Now, look. And of course, God answered. So, there are specific promises God makes to you in your life. They may take time to come to pass. Like Abraham, the promise to give Abraham a son. But it did come. Most of us, I won't say most, but many of us, once you have a dream, like that of Joseph, and you see 11 chiefs bowing to you, I've seen it. Matibim, Matibim. Ah, me. Now, God has promised that I am an apostle. And this. you can actually die. Nothing will be seen around you like that. Because the, the promise to you does not mean if you don't pray to happen. You have to work on it. That's what we mean. But the general promises of God is of more interest to me because that one is for all of us, Kokofu football. There are over 8,000 of them in the Bible. And they, you just have to meet the conditions and you are in top form. Second Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. There is my people who are called by my name who humble themselves turn from their wicked ways and cry to me in heaven. One, I will hear their prayer. Two, I will forgive their sins. Three, I will heal their land. Ooh, how sweet. You see, it means if Christians will take hold of that promise and pray and cry and fast, our God who heal Ghana. This Dumso Dumso, you will be surprised that it will be a thing of the past. The falling, the way the, do, uh, the city is bowing like the God Dagon before the dollar. You, you will be shocked that it will just stop. But, and then, I remember last year, I treated you to that thing, that personally, before I sail out into the day, I sit on about 50 promises of the word of God. Which are so 
strong that in fact if you I remember I went for a passport photograph and the verse I was using before the photograph was first John four four. Since you have God, little children, and you have overcome them. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I wanted it to appear in the passport I am of God. And I have overcome them. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You see? So, those passages, you have to memorize them. You have to take hold of them. And if you... Don't be satisfied that you don't see them happening in your life. Because they are yours. The, the promises are for you and your children and those that are far off. As many as the Lord our God shall call. If you are slack in taking hold of them, you won't see them manifest. Because if you really believe them, you will act. So, let me quickly do the other two before we, we practice. Then, there is praying with the prayers in the Bible. Hezekiah's prayer, when God said you would die, in Second Kings chapter 20. He said, oh God, you want to kill me? Look at how I've walked blamelessly before you all my life. And he wept sore, and the Lord heard him. The prayer of Jabez, 1 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 9, 10. His mother called him Jabez, pain, because she had a lot of pain in bringing him forth. So everywhere he went, people say, pain, eh? Pain! Pain, where are you? Pain! And he saw that his life was becoming filled with pain. So he prayed. He said, Oh Lord, if you will hear me indeed and remove pain from my life, enlarge my coast, the Bible says, God heard him, answered him. Therefore, there are some types of, there are some days. When you need the prayer of Jabez, you need the prayer of Hezekiah, you need the prayer of Moses, you need the prayer of Jesus, depending on the circumstance in which you are. You, Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 17 all the way to 22, and chapter 3 from verse 14 all the way to verse 19, is prayer. It's prayer. So, you need to look through. And then, I think I'm in number four now, is using specific passages from the Bible which are not necessarily promises, but they are passages that agree with what you are going through. On the cross, Jesus used uh, Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a direct quotation. He said, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's a direct quotation. You see, you are going through 
something, a circumstance in life that agrees with a certain Bible passage, you can use it to pray. It is also praying the word of God. But the final one I want to put across is praying with words that the Spirit has put into your heart. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul says that we speak words taught by the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, the Bible says, Jesus says, it's not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who is speaking through you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, the Bible says that we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit helps our infirmities with groans which cannot be uttered. And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. What that means is that you go to pray and God's Spirit gives you words to use to hold God. Do you understand? You, it happens to me many times. I go to pray. Some topics come up and I'm casual. Then I see that I start weeping. Because God's Spirit puts a burden on you. And sometimes you are just praying normally. And then certain words begin to float into your heart and mind concerning the topic. And you are like, ah, is this it? Because the Holy Spirit is trying to give you the, the perspective of God on the topic. So, as it were, the prayer is influenced by words of God which are dropped into your spirit and you take hold of them and you are able to use them to move. Now, I think that's enough for definitions. So let's do some practicals. I still want us to start from Hebrews chapter 13. Let's start from there. Hebrews 13 verse 5 and 6. We live in a very sicaditious world. And it, money can occupy your mind from Monday to Friday. When you are choosing your subjects in the university, money. When you are choosing a marriage partner, money. When you are choosing which professions to belong to, money. You see that money becomes, you know, a dominant. But this passage is saying, let your mind be free from the love of money and be content. Ah, thank you. Okay, let's all read it quickly. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Yes. So, we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Okay, let's, let's do some praying now. Probably at your, 
Where is your greatest financial weakness? Is it your rent? School fees? Chop uh, money? Electricity bill? Where, where, is, where is your greatest financial torment? That you see that, in fact, you are not able to shake it off. Every day you think of it, it's like you are going to hell. Now, I want you to take that. And let's pray with this. You see? Tell it that, look, this rent, I want to tell you the Lord is my helper. Rent, the Lord is my helper. I'm saying it with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I'm not afraid. What can man do to me? God says he will never leave me nor forsake me. Therefore, and you see, the, if you pray it once and nothing happens, it's a lie. Let God be true and every man a liar. Pray tomorrow. Pray the next day. Pray when you, are, you feel threatened. Go and pray. Spread your hands over all your, your bills. And pray that. Pray. And see whether God will not step in. Because this is his word. Is it not his word? Hasn't he said you should let your, mind be, your life be free from the love of money? Therefore, I mean, you should be free when you are choosing a marriage partner. Don't look at money. There, there, take this Bible verse and wave, wave, wave it in the face of Satan. And say, I won't look at money when I'm getting married. Money is nothing. Look at it. The Bible says, let's go. Okay, let's pray now. Just pray about any financial area of your life, which is a torment. Yes. Any area. Past, present, future. Yes. It's moving you in the choice of subjects for school or married partner or, you know, painting. Yes. Just take the verse, the passage. Just keep your life free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Therefore we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper. 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 Yes. Yes. God will help me. He will take me through this financial challenge. In the name of Jesus. 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 Amen. Amen. Let's do some two or three more. One of the passages which I find very exciting is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews 4, 16. Ah. He says, you know, he started the argument from verse 14 that we don't have a high priest who does not sympathize with what you are going through. But we have one who has been tempted in every way like us, yet without sin. So, okay. Let's read it. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy 
and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, is there anything which right now you feel that you really need grace for? You really need grace from God to be able to go through a difficult circumstance or to tolerate a difficult person or to... That you, do you find... Are you in a state in which you see you need grace and help from heaven? This is the time. You think about anything and let's, let's begin to pray. Yes, boldly approach God's throne of grace. Boldly, with confidence. Yes, and ask for mercy. Yes, ask for grace. Ask for help. Yes, to be able to go through this circumstance, this difficulty, this challenging situation. Is it your boss at work? Who wants to flirt with you before promote you? Is it, is it an exam which you think if you don't cheat, you will fail? What is it? What is the challenge? Is it a boy who is troubling you every day and you don't want to him for anything, for a boyfriend, but he's, he's, he's making life difficult for you? Yes, yes, there is grace, there is grace, there is mercy, there is help at the throne of grace, at the throne of grace, help you, to help you, to help you. Yes, just talk to the Lord, stand on these verses and speak to him, speak to him, speak to him. Amen. Okay. Let's do another example. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. I use this verse, I use this passage for difficult people. Romans 5, 5. Yes. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Yeah, 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 yeah. This verse is powerful, I tell you. It says that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Look at that. Look, every human being on this earth can be loved by you. If you take this verse, eh? the type of people whose bodies are so, I mean, they have crocodile skin, the type that you don't cover them with tarpaulin, you can't even live with them in, at peace. This is the verse that solves the problem. He says, God's love, not will be poured, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, I want you to look around. Choose those people whom, whom either you hate most or they hate you most. Eh? People whom you know that even if they pass by your coffin, they will get it. Yes. This evening, we are going to do something. Now, this passage is saying that God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Heaven has poured love into your heart. Therefore, you can love your enemy. You can bless those who curse you. You can pray for those who persecute you. By faith. Because of this verse. So, say it with me. Say, God's love has been poured into my heart by the Holy Spirit. I can love 
because the Holy Spirit has poured divine love into my heart. Okay, let's try it now. We are going to pray. Look through some of the people who hate you. When you pass by, they speak. Who gossip about you. And you can't love them. You find them so difficult to love. When you, when you see them, you, you, your heart somersaults because of the way they treat you. Like that being. Yes. I want you to tell. Yes. Pray. Say that. Oh, Father, thank you. You poured your, uh, your love into my heart by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Divine love. Heavenly love. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you. I can love the unlovable. I can love the unlovable. I can bless those who curse me. I can pray for those who persecute me. Yes, those who hate me. Ah, 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 ah. The love of God has been poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. Yes, I believe this scripture. Yes, yes, I can love my enemies. Yes, this sister. Oh, ah, I don't want to see her, but from today, yes, yes, you are pouring your love into my heart. You are pouring your love into my heart. You are pouring your love into my heart. Amen. Now, lastly, you know the Christian love life was never meant to be lived by you. Otherwise, Emmanuel, God with us, will not be necessary. The whole Christian life consists of putting God into a person. That's Christianity. You see, you can't, the Christian, you can't live the Christian life. It's God's presence. His indwelling presence in you and with you is what puts you over. Therefore, you need to line up some passages which do the work for you each morning. And I want us to close with that. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Let's do that and then we will be I will pray and put down the mic. You know it. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. Okay. Let's all say, go. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself. How many people believe it? You believe this passage? Okay. Say it to yourself. You read it for yourself. Go. Okay, we are now going to pray. Or, better still, tell your friend. Tell your friend, I've been crucified with Christ. Just tell him or her. Tell the person. Yes. Yes. You no longer live. Wow. Yes. 
Tell your friend, I no longer live. I no longer live. I no longer live. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Hallelujah. We are going to pray. Now, tell yourself that. You see, this verse is true. But I forget it when I go to work. When I'm in the drought, I forget it. You see, you are in the office. And your boss says something and your anger rises like hernia. So you say the thing. You have said the thing before you remember that. Ah, it's no longer I will live. So now, what you need to do is to make this passage part of your inner being. And your spirit man will never accept it until through repetition, meditation, cogitation, and telling your friends, and you, you have to bracket it and nail it into your spirit. From that day, it comes out naturally. No longer artificial. So, this one, you have been sitting for some time. So, I want you to get up and and, and see whether you can nail this passage so that when you live here, you won't forget it again. Nail it. Let's get it. Let's get this passage. Because this is Christianity. This is Christianity. Yes. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I no longer live. Look, the old appear you know is no longer alive. It's Christ who is living in me. I no longer live. I no longer live. Yes. Let's pray. Let's pray this verse. Let's pray this, this passage. Let's pray until our spirit takes hold of it. Yes. Yes. I no longer live. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. 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 Yes. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. The life that I now live. Live by faith in the Son of God. Yes. Love me again. I no longer live. I no longer live. I no longer live. Yes. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that forever your word is settled in the heavens. And that heaven and earth will pass away. But your word will never pass away. That the scripture cannot be broken. That these words of truth are enough anchor for our soul. We can hang by them because he who promised is faithful. Father, we ask that our prayer lives will change as we pray with the word of God until our whole lives resound with that. In Jesus' name, Amen. Follow JFK Men's Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Men's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensministries.org. God bless you.